Hello and welcome to the Top Story, a podcast with the headlines of the day from our correspondents around the world. I'm Zhu Tianlu. Coming up in this edition, explosions hit Gaza's main southern city Khan Yunis as Israel expands its offensive and calls for more evacuations. Leaders are discussing green finance and renewable energy as the COP28 climate conference continues in Dubai. And China and the European Union are ready to hold their 24th summit in Beijing this week. We start with the Palestine-Israel conflict. Israeli forces continue their offensive in the Gaza Strip, pressing the ground campaign against Hamas in the south of the enclave after largely gaining control of the north. The Israeli military says the central road out of Gaza's southern city of Kanyunis has become a battlefield and the road is now shut. In the West Bank, the Palestinian Health Ministry says at least five Palestinians were killed in Israeli attacks on Monday. Israeli authorities say seven civilians and an army colonel died in Hamas's captivity, and 137 hostages are believed to remain in Gaza. Sarah Coates has more from Tel Aviv. Well, look, a senior Israeli commander has just spoken to army radio saying that Israel's goals in the north have almost been met, with an Israeli spokesperson just posting on X that Gaza's main highway, which is Salah al-Din Road, and which is northeast of Khan Yunus, is now a battle zone. Now, the military also says it's hit around 200 Hamas targets in the last 24 hours, including tunnel shafts and also weapons storage facilities, saying that it's taking aggressive action against Hamas. Now, this comes as the IDF continues to drop leaflets over Khan Yunus, which is down in the south of the Strip, warning people to evacuate now for their own safety. The people down in the south say they have absolutely nowhere to go. Now, all of this is coming as rockets continue to be shot right across Israel, down in the south, in the north, on the border with Lebanon, and also right here in Tel Aviv. I was hearing massive booms. These families of these hostages say that they are willing to escalate their actions if negotiations are not resumed. They say they'll seek international help if they are not helped by the Israeli government. Israel has just come out saying that they believe that 137 captives are still being held inside the Gaza Strip. It's understood that these people still have not received a visit from the Red Cross, which was part of that truce agreement, which of course fell through a number of days ago. So certainly very, very worrying for these families who continue to demand action from the government, saying that they have simply not done enough. That was Sarah Coates in Tel Aviv. More on the Israel-Palestine conflict. UN Secretary-General Antonio Guterres has called for Israel to avoid further action that would worsen the already dire humanitarian situation in Gaza. The number of displaced persons in the Gaza Strip is approaching 1.9 million. That's over 80% of the region's population. Bombings and explosions occurred in Gaza's main southern city, Kanyunis, after Israel ordered Palestinians to leave the city. Nor Harazian has more in central Gaza. Well, uh, Khan Yunis is the second biggest city uh, here in the uh, coastal enclave. There is more than half a million people that are residing in the, in the city of Khan Yunis. And over the past uh, weeks, when the IDF asked the Palestinians to flee from northern Gaza to southern Gaza, most of them actually went to the uh, city of Khan Yunis. So now we are talking about more than a million people who are residing in the city of Khan Yunis. Since the latest humanitarian truce agreement, 
limit expired and since then the Israeli army have been um, shelling, targeting, bombing Khan Yunis intensively uh, from uh, air, land and sea. We have been actually hearing heavy shells, uh, shelling and also um, exchange fire. Apparently there is clashes on the ground there between uh, the Palestinian militant fighters and the uh, Israeli forces. For now we can uh, clearly say that the Gaza Strip is actually separated to three parts. There is uh, northern Gaza, there is a middle Gaza, which I am uh, there right now, and there is uh, southern Gaza. People here reach the point that they are wondering where should they go. Uh, they cannot go back to their homes in uh, northern Gaza. Uh, they are standard inside southern Gaza, and uh, we're talking about more than 2.3 million people now uh, in an area of 365 square kilometers. This is Gaza Strip, so it is actually impossible to squeeze that many people in such a small area. It is impossible, so people are um, lost, actually. They don't know what to do, what is coming next, adding the fact that uh, they are going through Gaza's worst humanitarian uh, crisis that reached a point where not only the people on the ground, even us, the journalists, the medical teams, uh, the people who are working with international organizations, uh, we do not actually have access to uh, water and um, uh, food. Uh, it, the situation is really bad. There is also the lack of fuel and uh, electricity. Uh, Paltel, which is uh, the uh, main network here, uh, company, main network company here in Gaza said that they will stop operating because of the heavy Israeli shelling that also destroyed all networks points in uh, Gaza. That was Noor Harzian in Gaza. Staying in the Middle East, climate finance was the central theme of the fifth day of the COP28 UN Climate Change Conference in Dubai. The United Arab Emirates, which is hosting this year's gathering, pledged to mobilize 270 billion US dollars in green finance by 2030, and several deployment banks made moves to scale up their funding. The climate summit has also launched a partnership to mitigate the impacts of climate change on women's livelihood and facilitate their roles in the low carbon transition. Adele Maruki has more in Dubai. He pledged 270 billion US dollars until 2030 in climate financing. This comes as criticism rises over um, the oil-rich country uh, for its um, evasion of um, fossil fuel phasing down or reducing uh, the production. It has been a focus by the COP28 presidency to shed light on gender equality in general when it comes to climate. And that basically by providing three steps. First is to guarantee that there is accessibility uh, for both genders, males and females, into um, the COP negotiations and um, as participants. The second one is to guarantee that finance is reaching out for gender equality projects or focus on it. Again, about 2.9% of all climate finance is focused on gender equality, which is a very low number. And this is one of the missions of this COP, is to boost up this figure at least a bit and guarantee that this will happen uh, over the next time. And finally, uh, gender gender data equality, so that it guarantees that there is enough data about women and girls being raised, their impact in society and impact by climate change on them as well. So these three uh, pillars, maybe, uh, f- try to shift the attention into having a more gender uh, equal climate talks this year. Adele Maruki in Dubai. 
Earlier at the summit, China and the United States, together with the COP28 presidency, co-hosted a summit to promote methane and non-CO2 greenhouse gases emissions control. They also stressed the role of collaboration. Gao Ang tells us more. Climate envoys from China and U.S. discussed the actions and measures on methane and other non-CO2 greenhouse gases right here, showing the world's two largest economies are acting, inspiring partners and enhancing international cooperation to mitigate emissions. At the summit, China's special envoy for climate change, Xie Zhenhua, stressed the country's achievements in controlling methane emissions. We're going to take specific and effective measures in energy, agriculture, and waste management so as to control methane emissions, guarantee energy security, and improve people's livelihoods. We're very willing to work with all parties to continuously improve our capacity and implement control measures, plans, and tasks in key areas. The summit follows last month's jointly issued China-U.S. Sunnyland Statement on enhancing cooperation to address the climate crisis. According to the statement, two countries will immediately initiate technical working groups on policies, exchange technical solutions and capacity, building on methane and other non-CO2 GHG emissions. That was Gao Ang reporting. Finally, in Asia, China and the European Union will hold their 24th summit in Beijing on Thursday. Ahead of the meeting, senior Chinese diplomat Wang Yi hosted envoys of EU and its member countries in Beijing. Dong Xue has the latest. Senior Chinese diplomat Wang Yi said that despite challenges, China-EU comprehensive strategic partnership has surpassed two decades and Beijing pays high significance to the global influence of such a resilient relationship. Wang said under the guidance of leaders of both sides, China-EU exchanges have shown a momentum of comprehensive recovery this year. We've seen a series of high-level official dialogues held one after another and reached a lot of consensus on cooperation and promoted the development of China-EU relations. Wang reiterated that China and the EU should adhere to mutual respect and pragmatically seek common ground to serve their own fundamental interests while contributing to world stability. For his part, the EU head of mission to China said he's appreciated such high-level in-person communication and he's looking forward to the China-EU summit in Beijing later this week. Despite our different political and economic systems, the European Union continues to believe that we can similarly pursue constructive and stable relations with China. Both sides agreed to continue communications on the ongoing Hamas-Israel conflict and Ukraine crisis and other regional issues. EU leaders, including Council and European Commission Presidents Charles Michel and Ursula von der Leyen, as well as the bloc's top diplomat Joseph Borrelli, are flying to the Chinese capital for two-day talks on December 7th and 8th. Topics ranging from economic issues to global conflicts are expected to top the agenda. Beijing has repeatedly said that China and the EU are partners, not rivals, and efforts should be made to advance a sound and steady China-EU relationship. That was Zhong Xue reporting. 
At least 13 mountain climbers have been found dead following the eruption of Merapi volcano in western Indonesia. Ten people are still missing, while evacuations are underway in the surrounding area. Selikina Aluwalia has more from Jakarta. Authorities were able to evacuate two survivors on Monday night, but there are still many hikers missing as of Tuesday morning. There were around 75 hikers at the time of eruption, and more than 50 of them survived. Some sustained serious burns while others are being treated for minor injuries. Um, right now, authorities will continue the evacuation process. It's going by quite slowly because of uh, weather conditions and also smaller eruptions that have happened since Sunday evening. Uh, officials have to make sure that their teams are safe in case the volcano suddenly erupts again. In terms of weather, we are entering the rainy season here in Indonesia, so the rescue teams say it can take up to six hours just to evacuate one person. So it's very time-consuming and very hard, but they are expecting this process to continue in the next few days, and they are hoping to find more survivors in the process. Since the volcano erupted for the first time on Sunday, there have been many smaller eruptions. So authorities have informed locals to leave the area and stay away from the crater. This is one of the challenge here in Indonesia. As we know, the country is located in the Ring of Fire. There are more than 100 active uh, volcanoes here, and there are communities, there are people near these uh, volcanoes. So when something like this happens, it does endanger hundreds of people living in these areas. Um, uh, Marapi itself is one of the most active volcanoes in Sumatra. The alert level has actually been set on high for the past 10 years, actually, and there is a strict rule not to hike near the crater. So we don't know if uh, these hikers followed that rule, if they were close to that area. But again, this is not something new for uh, Indonesia. The government does know what to do in situations like this. They do know how to handle evacuees and also help locals during times like these. That was Likia Aluwalia on the volcano eruption in Indonesia. Recapping today's headlines, explosions have rocked Gaza's main southern city, Kanyunis, as Israel expands its offensive and calls for more evacuations. Leaders at the COP28 climate conference in Dubai have been discussing green finance and renewable energy. And China and the European Union will hold their 24th summit in Beijing on Thursday. That's it for this edition of The Top Story, a podcast that brings you world headlines every weekday. For more news in politics, business, sports and culture, you can subscribe to The Beijing Hour, a one-hour podcast news magazine program. We welcome and appreciate all ratings and reviews. I'm Zhu Tianlu. Thank you for listening.